KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, January 18th. The search continues off the coast of Somalia for two Navy SEALs. More on the possible ties to San Diego next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria is in D.C. for the U.S. Conference of Mayors Winter Meeting. Today, Gloria is set to moderate the meeting of the conference's LGBTQ Alliance. He's also moderating a discussion on current issues on immigration tomorrow. Yesterday, he shared his efforts to combat the opioid epidemic in the city. A San Diego police sergeant is back in San Diego, recovering from a serious gunshot wound to his head. Sergeant Anthony Elliott got hurt last month during a shootout in a parking lot in Forest Ranch that left a suspect dead. Elliott and his family returned to San Diego earlier this week after being at an out-of-state facility for a specialized procedure and rehab therapy. Because of the shooting, Elliott lost the use of his left arm and leg and was initially unable to walk. Officials say Elliott will continue therapy in the county. Home prices dropped across the county last month, according to the California Association of Realtors. It's a trend we're seeing throughout the state. The median price of an existing single-family home in the county was more than $911,000 in December. That's down about $40,000 compared to November. But still, prices are more expensive than what they were in December of 2022. The California Association of Realtors president, Melanie Barker, says the shortage of homes for sale and high costs of borrowing last year played a negative role on housing inventory and demand. Barker also says mortgage rates are expected to drop this year and home prices will increase again. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. A search continues off the coast of Somalia for two Navy SEALs lost at sea since last Thursday. Military reporter Andrew Dyer has more on what happened and the possible San Diego connection. The two SEALs were attempting to board a vessel later found to have Iranian weapons bound for Houthi rebels in Yemen. Retired Lieutenant Commander Ed Heiner spent more than 20 years as a Navy SEAL and says boat raids are among the most dangerous of SEAL operations. Everyone who doesn't in the SEAL team realize that's one of the sketchiest things we do. Pentagon Press Secretary Air Force Major General Pat Ryder says as of Wednesday, crews are continuing to search. That effort, it is ongoing, certainly, um, you know, we, we hope that we are able to recover our teammates. Our thoughts and prayers are clearly with their families at this time. A San Diego defense official tells KPBS that historically it's SEALs based here who deploy to the Central Command area in the Middle East. A U.S. Central Command official declined to say whether the SEALs are attached to a San Diego-based team. Andrew Dyer, KPBS News. Updated guidance from the California Department of Public Health no longer requires people to isolate if they have covid but are asymptomatic. Reporter Alexander Wynn talks to a local epidemiologist about the change. 
Since the pandemic, the guidance has always been to isolate if you've tested positive for COVID-19. Now, the state has updated that guidance. People no longer have to isolate and could return to school or work if they are asymptomatic. Rebecca Fielding-Miller is an epidemiologist at UC San Diego. She says while COVID cases are no longer overwhelming the healthcare system, COVID is still a very infectious disease. I think one thing that's really important to remember about this virus is it has a really impressive ability to to mutate. And so we've seen that people can get infected over and over and over again. Unlike the state, the CDC still recommends that people isolate for five days after testing positive for COVID, regardless of symptoms. Alexander Nguyen, KPBS News. San Diego officials marked an important milestone yesterday in the years-long restoration of the Botanical Building in Balboa Park. Environment reporter Eric Anderson says the top of the iconic building was put into place. A tall crane hoisted the cupola to the top of the building. The carefully rebuilt dome resumed its perch on the roof of the wood and steel structure. Forever Balboa Park's Elizabeth Babcock says it was a moment. To see that symbolic moment of literally the pinnacle of the project, the cupola being installed, just symbolizes for all of us working so hard on this project um, what this will mean to the community to have it complete. Project manager Jim Summers says water was rotting the building's wood and steel. There were a lot of places where water was trapped, the steel deteriorated, and new steel needed to be put in. The $28.5 million restoration should be done in the summer. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Many people make resolutions at the start of a new year, but by spring, those resolutions are often abandoned or forgotten. Paul Stillman is an assistant professor of marketing at SDSU, where he's been researching what motivates people. He spoke with my colleague, Jade Heinemann. So when looking to improve ourselves, we often tend to focus on long-term results, like, you know, how much weight one might want to lose during the course of the year. But the short term, you say, might be the best route to go. Yeah. So to sort of take a big step back, a lot of times in motivation, when we talk about like long-term goal pursuit or self-control, a lot of people think, you know, hey, I need to like marshal my will, like exert willpower to force myself to make these longer term choices or these healthier choices and whatnot. And a lot of my research, which is part of sort of a broader movement in the the self-control and motivation uh, literature is trying to say like, let's try to maybe sidestep self-control entirely and instead try to cultivate enjoyment for the things that are going to produce long-term uh, gains and long-term goals. So for the case of self-control specifically, my colleague Caitlin Woolley at Cornell and I, uh, we, you know, oftentimes when you're, you're faced with like, do you want to, to eat a cookie or do you want to, to not eat a cookie? You sort of think to yourself, like maybe you hear your mom's voice of like, hey, these cookies aren't healthy. So you think of like, oh, this could cause, you know, tooth decay or obesity or all these negative long-term things. But those long-term things tend to actually not be that persuasive to us when we're thinking about eating the cookie in, in the moment. And so what, what we found is that oftentimes 
people kind of overlook the fact that a lot of the, the temptations that we grapple with on a daily basis have these kind of underappreciated short-term consequences. So, for instance, a, a cookie, in addition to all the negative long-term stuff it causes, also will do things like cause a, a sugar spike and crash, which will make you feel kind of like tired and irritable and, and less focused later on in the day. And similarly, it's not just, just cookies. So like if you watch a lot of Netflix, you'll have a, a headache. If you drink a lot of alcohol, you'll have a hangover. And if you eat fast food, you'll feel like bloated and gross. And what, what our research has found is that highlighting these kind of much more mild but immediate and, and more directly connected short-term costs is more effective for getting people to decide, hey, I don't actually want to eat eat this cookie. And what it basically does is by highlighting these short-term consequences, it makes people sort of realize, hey, this cookie, even though I think it's going to give me lots of enjoyment in the moment, mm-hmm. I kind of am like, actually, this doesn't sound that that great because it's it's not just all positive right now. It's some positive but some negative right. as well, which just makes it less sort of like exciting or attractive in the first place. That in mind, this that, that the short-term is better than the long-term. I mean, I don't... How do you feel about New Year's resolutions? Why do, why do we do that? Yeah, I mean, so I, I actually feel, you know, sort of of two minds. I think on the one hand, it's a really – I really am big on the idea of like let's, let's take a fresh start. Let's try to, you know, develop some good habits. I think that the way that I often think about these, uh, these habits is sort of like if it can teach you some skills let – me, let me give you an example. So my wife and I a couple years ago did one of these Whole30s, which is a a pretty restrictive diet. And there's no way we could have kept it up. But we were just trying to do it for the month. And what it allowed us to do is just get some new healthier recipes into our repertoire. And so we're we're better equipped going forward of, you know, we're not doing this intense diet the entire time. But now we do have these like sort of healthy meals that we can throw into our, our mix. And I think that... You know, similar with like like working out, like the more people get experience in the gym and one of the things that's a real deterrent of people actually exercising in addition to finding the time and everything is like intimidation when it comes to the act of exercising. So my my mind is like the more people that are doing these positive activities during the new year, that's going to give them at least some basis that they'll be better equipped even if they do end up falling off the, the the wagon, they'll be better equipped to be able to make some long-term things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because, you know, it seems like, you know, every year people have goals of – they have self-improvement goals, right? And self-improvement is like – it's a lifelong journey and not exactly. something that you just have a, a specific little time frame on, right? Yeah, 100%. And like – one of the, the ways I feel bad for people who make these resolutions and then they, they quote unquote fail is that, that now they have this failure experience. And one of the things that that can do is undermine your efficacy for your ability to make positive changes. So like in that sense, I think that these making these resolutions and having just very, uh, I guess, sort of rigid and almost antiquated ideas of what is what success looks like can set people up for subsequent failure because if you undermine their efficacy, they're going to really not be able to in the future make positive changes. So I think what I would say is take the long view on all of this stuff. Don't just say like, hey, did I you know, lose the weight that I wanted to versus not? But rather, did I learn some better 
maybe I learned an exercise that I really enjoy. So actually, uh, to, to sort of bring this back a little bit to this idea of like focusing on the immediate, uh, this is some research not from myself, but from my colleague, Caitlin Woolley. She, she went to a gym and she got people who were about to work out. And there were two conditions. She said, I want you to do the exercise you think is best for your like long-term health goals. To, so half of the people she said that to. And the other half she said, I want you to do the exercise that you think is most enjoyable to do. And what she found is that people who were doing the one that's sort of more – the people who were focused more short-term and more on the thing that's going to be enjoyable for them, they were more likely to persist at that exercise longer than the people that were doing the one that was, you know, quote-unquote better for their long-term goals. So uh, very much in the same vein of like I want people to find the exercise that really works for them, that clicks for them, that that's going to get them – you know, back to the gym that's going to be more engaging for them long term. And I think the more opportunities people have to go out and potentially find that, the better, though very much with the the qualification of like we don't want people thinking that they are unable to make these positive changes. That was SDSU professor Paul Stillman speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hyman. This Saturday, a special screening of a Stephen King film classic takes place in Oceanside, along with some of the cast and crew. Film critic Beth Accomando has this preview. Oceanside International Film Festival is screening the 1996 film Thinner, followed by a panel this Saturday. The reunion had been planned for last summer, but the writers' and directors' strikes forced the festival to cancel the event. Lou Niles, executive director of the festival, is now excited to be bringing director Tom Holland and actors Robert John Burke and Joe Montaigne to the Star Theater to celebrate the film. You kill my daughter and I curse you. Thinner. From the best-selling novel by Stephen King comes the new shape of terror. A little bit of camp. Tom will talk about this, how, well, they could have gone this way, they could have gone this way with how the film went, but they did a little campy. It's a fun film. If you like Stephen King, you'll like it. If you like uh, Tom Holland and his horror and that kind of Chucky vibe, you'll like that too. Thinner is one of the more entertaining adaptations of Stephen King's work. It was chosen because Niles' wife, Carly Star Brulo Niles, worked on the film. She was assistant prop master and on-set prop master, so she worked with all the crazy stuff. You'll see the blood, the goo, the pies. And you can ask her about all that on Saturday. The event starts at 4 p.m. with a red carpet reception, and then the movie followed by a Q&A and a signing of the new 4K Blu-ray release of the film. Plus, Niles says... We'll have a specially designed limited edition poster by the artist Scrojo. All the funds for uh, you know buying tickets or buying the posters, it's all for the nonprofit for the film festival. And we use that. We put it right back into putting on these events or putting on the film festival. Join the Oceanside International Film Festival for Stephen King's Thinner. More terror, less filling, and completely satisfying. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for the day's top stories. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Thursday.
KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.